five, four, three, two, one. Boom, we're live. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? All right, episode 143 of the G Meeker MMA show. It is Sunday, June 10th, 2018. And if you're asking why we're doing a podcast here on June, on, on a Sunday, it's because good God, UFC 225 just wrapped up. What a night of fights. What a fucking card. It was stacked from top to bottom. It was one of the best fight cards of all time. I mean, if you've seen all the fights, all their goodness gracious, they were amazing. So we're going to talk about that on today's episode of the G Meeker MMA show. Sit back and relax. We're going to talk about, we're going we're to talk about the whole UFC 225 cards, what I thought about it, what I thought of all the fighters' performances from the criticisms of what happened in the Mike Jackson CM Punk fight to Dana White's reactions. We're going to cover the whole damn thing. It was whole so fun, it was so entertaining. Uh, I loved it. It was one of the one of the few fight cards, you know, of the maybe the best fight card of all time, you know. There's no doubt in my mind that that was one of the best fight cards of all time. It has a lot of the best fights on it and you know Got to go to that main event between Robert Whitaker and Yoel Romero. That was a firefight from the beginning. You know, I was excited for all the fights that happened. But, you know, when this fight came about, I was like, oh, my gosh, I have some anxiety. I have some straight anxiety because this fight was, you know, it was a, it was a, you know, it was a stylistically a very technical and dangerous fight. You know, Yoel Romero can end the fight with one shot. I mean, look at his power he like like i said before he's the kind of fighter that will sit like you know he sits back he looks relaxed he's cool calm and collected in there and boom he explodes on you he explodes on you and he potentially finishes the fight you know his, his fight against machida his fight uh who else did he, he fought he's in his last three fights in in the third round you know he beat machida he he beat rockhold and he's uh, beat Chris Whiteman all in the third round. So, you know, Yoel Romero's a freak of nature. If you look at him at 41 years old, he looks great. He looks as good as ever. You know, 41 years old doesn't mean anything in mixed martial arts years because he is still relatively young, and he still is one of the most dangerous fighters of all time. And he really, you know, still shows why he's that rare exception to those championship bubble fights. You know, obviously he missed weight against Rob Whitaker this time and previously against Whitaker and previously against Rockhold. Um, well, well, I mean against Rockhold and against Whitaker this time, but you know, he still showed that he is dangerous and he is, you know, Still one of the best fighters of all time and potentially could be not too far away from another championship bubble fight. He's just got to make the weight. Dana did say something about him, you know, being the light heavyweight title eliminator at, yeah, at 205 pounds, which isn't a bad idea as well. But overall, you know, I was just, I'm just wowed by that entire UFC 225 card. You know, that was an amazing fight. We had a lot of amazing fights. Um, Taito Ivasa versus Andre Arlovsky, you know, Curtis Blades destroying Alistair Overeem, you know, cutting him open like that and brutalizing him with elbows and you know, opening his, for his forehead up like that. It was brutal. 
So, you know, we got some new blood in the heavyweight division. You know, Curtis played so dominant against Mark Hunt. He, he did what he had to do. He has superior wrestling. He has good power in his hands. He's a devastating guy and, um, you know, definitely has a future. You know, definitely is real close to a championship level, level fight and is the next, uh, next fight if the UFC chooses to go that way. So that was a great night, great night for him. Uh, Charles Oliveira submits Clay Guida in the first round in a matter of seconds. It was a great fight. You know, Clay looked good. You know, he, he, he was his normal quick moving self, but you know, a guy like Charles Oliveira, you can't, you can't. You can't clinch up with him for a second. He'll 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 pull guard. He'll he'll do something crafty. And he'll he'll latch on to it. And when he usually latches on, he doesn't latch off. So you know when when you get caught by Charles Oliveira, normally that's a that's a it's a wrap because not a lot of people can withstand and and get out of the crazy submissions that Charles Oliveira possesses. So congrats to him. Um, Anthony Smith defeats Rashad Evans. We'll talk, we're going to talk about that right now um, in, a, in 33 seconds or 44 seconds or something like that. And now it it seems to be the end for one Rashad Evans. I, I mean this not in, not in a disrespectful way or anything like that. I've watched Rashad since I first started watching Mixed Martial Arts. He was one of the few guys that really inspired me. He's one of the few guys that I've I really like grew up with the sport. You know, he's been through the ups and the downs of the career. We, we've seen him knock out Chuck Liddell, his fights with Tito Ortiz, his fight with Chael Sonnen, his great fight with John Jones, and you know his history. You know, he was on the Ultimate Fighter. He coached the Ultimate Fighter opposite Rampage. You know, he beat Forrest Griffin to become the light heavyweight champion. And obviously, you know, he, more than doubt, he's a Hall of Famer for sure. You know, Rashad was one of those guys, you know, he was one of the original OGs, you know, he's up there with a guy like Diego Sanchez, and, you know, he, he deserves to be in the Hall of Fame, you know, Chuck Liddell, he, he, he knocked out Chuck Liddell, like I said, he beat Forrest Griffin, beat Rampage, you know, he had a good, great fight, couple fights with Tito Ortiz, and, um, you know, he was a, he was a killer back in his, in his prime, you know, back in his prime, Rashad, Rashad was one of the best fighters of all time. You know, just everybody gets old in this sport, and it's a, it's an it's an old it's a young man's game. You know, if there's older people in there, you know, sometimes it just doesn't go the way that we want it to. But all respects to Rashad Evans because he definitely is one of my favorite fighters, and always will be, no matter if he's fighting or if he's not. You know, it's it's the worst thing to say when someone needs to go, but five straight losses. I think it's like. You know, he hasn't won a fight since beating Chael Sonnen. You know, it was five fights ago. I mean, got he, he's, he's knocked out by Glover. Um, he lost to Sam Alvey. He lost to... Um, Dan, uh, he, he lost to... What the fuck is his name? Daniel something. But he's been losing to people that he necessarily shouldn't be losing to. You know, it's like the young guns are here beating on Rashad Evans. You know, I think Anthony Smith is like 29 years old. You know, all these young guns that Rashad's fighting and all these killers like Glover Teixeira and all those people that are, you know, somewhat still in the mix in the 205-pound division and people that are doing real good and still, you know, have a lot of years left in them. He's fighting against these guys that are super good and these guys that 
you know, still have a lot of years left. So, you know, all respects to Rashad and stuff. There just comes time where everybody, you know, time passes you by. And sometimes that's th- these things need to happen. But, you know, always remember him for what he d- did. And if this is his last run, it's been awesome to watch his whole career and be a fan of him and be one of those guys. That, you know, I used to post Instagram quotes about Rashad, Rashad Evans' Instagram. Uh, quotes that he said i'll look them up and i'll post them on my instagram as like a source of inspiration and stuff so you know whatever he does whatever he chooses to do next you know i'll be happy with with uh with with watching him do that you know he's definitely one of the best uh fighters and one of the most charismatic fighters you know i enjoyed him on the ultimate fighter and you know it was fun you know he won the ultimate fighter at heavyweight and you know, ever since then, he was he complete competed in two other weight classes other than that middleweight and light heavyweight, which he had most of his success, and he became a world champion. So all respects to Rashad. All right, ladies and gentlemen, moving on to um the main event. So Robert Whitaker defeats the Oil Romero for a second time, breaks his hand in the third round. You know his knee, his his right knee seemed to have be having some problem. Not nearly, not nearly as much problems as the first round or the first time in the first fight, which was also a great fight too. But this fight bypassed the first fight by a long shot. So now he's going to be out for a little bit. What are they going to do in the meantime? I don't know if they're going to come up with an interim title or anything like that, depending on how long he was out because he was previously out for a year and he came back. And he broke his hand, so who knows how much longer he's going to be out before, you know, legitimately how many times. We can't rush it or anything like that because, you know, he has a hand injury now and whatever else that he's sustained. You know, he sustained a lot of damage in this fight, so we don't know how long Robert's going to be out for. So what do they do in the meantime? Obviously, Yoel Romero, UFC is going to talk to him. Dana said he's going to talk to him about where his future lies, and if it's at 205 pounds, you know, because Yoel Romero could be a wrecking ball at 205 pounds. He's kind of a shorter guy. You know, people like Gustafson will tower over him, I feel like. But overall, Yoel, Yoel still has a bright future in the UFC right now. and He's nowhere, anywhere, any by any means whatsoever near to being done because how fantastic he still looks. And he still looked good, you know, potentially was about to finish the finish the fight. And how devastating would it be for Robert Whitaker to have lost to a Romero and still have the belt? Because it was, for anybody that didn't know, this fight was still on. It was a five-rounder. It was just a non-title fight because Romero didn't make weight. And there was some speculation that the commission pulled him and didn't allow him to cut the rest of that weight that he was going to cut. And that was being the reason why he didn't make weight. But, you know, now... We're going to see what happens with Romero. In the meantime, who should be next for Robert when he does come back or what should be the fight to make while Robert is out to determine the winner? Um, you know, obviously you saw Chris Weidman and you saw Kelvin Gaslam in, in the wings right there. Kelvin Gaslam coming off of a a split decision win over Jacare Souza not too long ago, maybe like 27 days ago. Yeah, I think it was exactly like 27 days ago. So, uh, and obviously Chris Weidman hasn't been in the octagon since beating Kelvin Gaslam. You know, he's been dealing with some hand injuries as well. So we don't know what, when the timetable for him to come back is. Um, Kelvin Gaslam, uh, obviously aspir- aspiring to be a world champion. Obviously, he still has the goals to be a world champion. He looks, he's looked good at middleweight. 
He looked good at 170. Now it's Holmes that seems to be at middleweight and has been campaigning for a shot at middleweight gold. I think he's pretty damn close, depending on what the UFC is going to do with with Whitaker. I don't know if necessarily he's going to be out for a while. Obviously, he broke his hand and stuff. He maybe sustained some other injuries, but we don't know what they're going to do in that meantime. If they're going to want, uh, they're going to uh, write up an interim title, have a fight like that. But um, definitely, definitely see what's going to happen because we do got some firepower at 185 pounds moving on to probably my favorite thing to talk about for this whole night in the co-main event between Colby Covington and Rafael Dos Anjos it was a fight that I expected Colby was throwing heat you got to admit though like in the first round he came after him and he was throwing some firepower he was throwing some heat he executed the wrestling very well you know he did get taken down a few times by Rafael Dos Anjos fairly easily too. So it as looked as one point if the tides were changing, you know, Dos Anjos did maybe get a couple rounds due to the wrestling and stuff and maybe did win. Uh, excuse me. Excuse me. It's a Sunday morning, ladies and gentlemen, but um, he, he probably did get a couple rounds in because, you know, he did take that Covington down, but, you know, a majority of the fight, I felt Colby had the edge on him. He did have the wrestling, you know, he did, you know, exchange with them a little bit, you know, land a lot of leg kicks, a lot of body kicks, and he did, uh, you know, shoot in on a takedown quite some time, you know, did control him with the wrestling. He did, he did, uh, you know, overall control the pace of the fight, and he did wear Dos Anjos down a lot, and it did make him fight the fight, did make him fight his fight, and it was an uncomfortable fight for Dos Anjos, so now we have an interim UFC welterweight champion in the form of Colby Covington, you know, this is very impressive for for a lot of reasons, because, you know, this is a guy that was talking his way up there, you know, he obviously had one loss against Warley Alves, and ever since then, you know, he's been winning, Colby continues to win, he continues to shut everybody up that says he couldn't do it. He did have a little exchange with Michael Bisping there on the UFC, uh, the UFC post-fight show, which was very funny. If you pull up the clip on the on the UFC on Fox Twitter handle, uh, at UFC on Fox, for those who don't know. Um, and it was really entertaining. So, you know, he's obviously winning. You know, he has a belt to add to his collection, regardless if he wins or loses against Tyra Woodley. He did become an interim champion. Colby Covington became an interim champion here in 2018, and that's a crazy scenario, and that's a good thing. You know, I'm excited for Colby. I'm excited for Colby versus Tyron because if he can pull this off, it's going to be an interesting, uh, interesting 2018 for for the UFC and for the welterweight division. And obviously, Tyron Woodley's been out for a little bit of time. Um, his last fight was against Damian Maya. Colby obviously looked a lot better against Damian Maya than Tyron Woodley looked in a lot of people's opinions. And ever since then, Colby's fought again. You know, he beat he beat Dong Yun Kim, beat Damian Maya, and now he's beating Rafael Dos Anjos. So if you look at Rafael Dos Anjos and you look at what Rafael Dos Anjos has been doing at 170, you know, he's been wrecking shop, he beat he beat Tarek Safadine, you know, he beat Neil Magny, and, you know, fantastic performance against Robbie Lawler, and, you know, Colby, he fights Colby Covington, and he receives 
his first loss at 170 pounds. And it's against a, a, a guy that, you know, a lot of people were under, weren't, weren't looking at. It's a guy a lot of people weren't paying attention to because Colby Covington is, you know, is part of one of those young, young breeds and one of those young lions is one of those people like it or not. He's going to be one of those future stars. You know, Curtis Blades, Colby Covington, you know, obviously Claudia Gadelia getting a win over uh, Carlos Barza, but you know, overall, Colby Covington's gonna is gonna be one of those stars, and in my opinion, is one of those stars because he has star power. You know, he talks, he talks the talk, and he, and he walks the walk as well. So it's pretty inter- it's, it's pretty entertaining, um, and you know, he's a funny guy and. You know, a lot, not a lot of people expected this, and, you know, a lot of people thought he would get melted by Dos Anjos because, you know, Dos Anjos was a superior fighter in a lot of people's minds. But Colby did show that he could fight, and he did show that he has a chin, and, you know, he also has good wrestling exchanges, and, you know, he's going to show that he's going he's gonna to get better, and it's going to be a, a much better version of himself. I, I'm pretty sure I'm rooting for him. I want to see how he matches up against Tyron Woodley. It's just a fucking hard fight, though, when it comes to Tyron, because Tyron can end the fight in one in a blink of an eye. You know, it's a different thing when Dos Santos is hitting you versus Tyron Woodley, because Tyron Woodley hits you. It's gonna be a it's it's not gonna be a good night for you, because you know Tyron Woodley hits you. Ooh, he can end the fight in one shot. So, so uh, I'm curious to know what's what's gonna happen with Colby. Well, obviously it's gonna be Tyron Woodley. I'm 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 curious to know what's gonna happen in the fight between Woodley and Colby because it's a it's a fun fight. But you know, logically, you look at how Tyron Woodley does have good cardio. It's just the fact that if you think about somebody, you know, like Colby, if Colby can clinch up with him, if Colby does choose to wrestle with him, how is it going to fare? You know, Tyra Wendy has good cardio and, you know, fantastic power, you know, blinding speed and blinding power, and he can close the distance in the blink of an eye. I mean, look what he did to Robbie Lawler. I mean, you look at Dos Santos' performance against Robbie Lawler, which was fantastic, but you go want to thwart on over to Tyron Woodley's side and look at what Tyron Woodley did. He knocked out Robbie Lawler. Dos Santos didn't knock out Robbie Lawler. If if Tyron Woodley can knock out Robbie Lawler, and, and, and he can knock out anybody else. He can knock out Colby Covington. He knocked out Josh Koscheck. He he stopped Carlos Condit. He beat the brakes off Jay Haran. You know, he's he's beaten a lot of people and, you know, you know, beating Kelvin Gaslam. You know, he campaigned for a fight against Bisping at one point. You know, Tyron Woodley's no joke. So Colby Covington's going to have his hands full. And it's just a matter if, of Colby executing a perfect game plan. Because you, you, you've got to essentially be perfect against Tyron Woodley. And a guy who, you know, obviously who has been hit a couple times, Colby Covington. Um, you know, I don't know how Colby's chin's going to... Uh, hold up against a beast in the form of Tyron Woodley. I'm not writing Colby off. It's just a dangerous fight. And I'm also very excited. And I'm also very, you know, I'm, I'm curious to know what's going to happen between these two guys because this is such an entertaining fight. This, I mean, obviously, the buildup to this fight is going to be fantastic. Colby hates Tyron. Colby's claimed in the past to break Tyron in training. They had to pull him out when Tyron was uh, 
was uh, preparing for Rory McDonald, Colby said that, you know, he was brought in to fight, uh, to, to spar with Tyron and then took him out because Tyron said he didn't want it. He didn't want any more and, and all this. It's a funny storyline. You know, he's been chomping at him on social media for quite some time. He's been talking about him every other word, every other interview that he has. He's been calling out Tyron and no one's really went after Tyron the way Colby has. So, you know, it's fantastic for me. It's, it's fun. It's, it's fun for me to see as a fan. You know, I think Colby, you know, it reminds me of Chael Sonnen a lot. You know, obviously Chael, Chael wasn't nearly as harsh as Colby has, and he's not over here spoiling Avengers for people or anything like that. But other than that, you know, Colby Covington has has fought and he has proven every, to everybody, you know, beating the number one contender is no joke. Obviously, you know, obviously it was, you know, wasn't like the Robert Whitaker and Yoel Romero fight. By any means whatsoever, you know, Colby did what he needed to do. I was excited every step of the way because what well, was at the end, you know, I was I was excited, you know, every time they separated, I was like, oh shit, you know, he needs to get a hold of him because you know, you know, had Dos Anjos had the complete power that Tyrone Woodley has, or has a complete power, a good puncher, being a good puncher at 170 pounds, you know, Colby could have been in a good couple of trouble spots because of the fact that. How hard he hits, you know, his his striking his striking seemed to improve a lot. You know, he looked good. He threw a lot of leg kicks. He looked fantastic. But you know, there's still levels to this game, and you know, a guy that can crack a, a true 170 pounder in the form of a Woodley. You know how strong Woodley is, how fast he is, and how how quickly he can close the distance. A guy like Woodley is a very dangerous fight for for Colby because of fact uh, because of fact that Woodley can close the distance very quickly you know he's a fast guy he's a guy you know he's kind of still in his prime basically you know he hasn't really you know he's he's on his own quest right now to be a great fighter so i'm, I'm sure that covington winning against tyron uh what not winning against tyron excuse me covington winning against dos Anjos really did uh make it uh a good case for tyron woodley so so that's an excellent uh that's an excellent fight for us to look forward to. Tyron Woodley did ch- jump on social media right after uh Colby Covington won and said, you know, put this bitch uh hit hit my line, you know, put this bitch in with me basically. Let's fight. He he's insinuating that he wants to fight with Covington and uh I can't wait to see what's going to happen with this fight. It's going to have a lot of build up. I'm sure they should the UFC should get, definitely get behind this fight, promote this fight. This is going to be an excellent, fun fight and an entertaining fight on the build up and all the way on on like on the um from right now until the complete complete build up. It's going it should be an entertaining and excellent fight. I can't wait for it. Okay, we're going to move on back to the prelim, or the, the first fight on the main card, which was a welterweight fight between CM Punk, crazy as that sounds, against Mike Jackson. You know, I thought that, um, you know, CM Punk did look a little better on, you know, on the training videos, what we've seen on the countdown, you know, the preview. But, you know, in the fight, the fact is that he went to, CM Punk went the distance. Didn't necessarily look good for rounds two and three. He did look pretty entertaining in the first round, you know. It was a lot different of a look than this first fight against Mickey Gall. You know, all props and all respect to CM Punk for, you know, staying in there, you know, having a heart of a true warrior, you know, still wanting to do this after getting mauled by Mickey Gall in the first fight, still having the, 
the will to go in there and never giving up in the fight and, you know, fighting. He, he went in there and he fought. You know, he lost a, a one-sided unanimous decision. You know, Mike Jackson didn't look too good. You know, he, he, did, he obviously, if he was going to do this, he was going to do it like the way he did. Obviously, Dana wasn't happy with his, his performance. And a lot of people weren't. You know, I, I seen someone say cut them both because, you know, Mike Jackson necessarily wasn't chasing the finish or anything like that. It wasn't, a, you know, wasn't really putting put it on Punk like he could have been, you know, being the fighter that has had more amateur fights and, you know, as a former, as a professional boxer, you would think that Mike Jackson would have, uh, you know, put a lot better of a strategical game plan against Punk and he would have been one to, you know, put it on him and, 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 you know, essentially look better against Punk than he should because it's an amateur fighter against a, a professional fighter that, you know, it's a professional boxer that pretty sure could add a lot of more, add a lot more, uh, add more, add a lot more, you know, tools to his game and shouldn't have a problem handling somebody like CM Punk who, you know, has essentially no experience in the, in, uh, fighting in the cage, but Mike Jackson should have been a little bit ahead on, on experience wise because he is a boxer and obviously, you know, I'm just saying that he shouldn't have looked that bad against Punk. Obviously, he got the job done. He did enough to get the, the um, judges nod, but he didn't do enough in my head to convince me that I want to see him fight again. That's what Dana said. That's what I'm saying. And, um, you know, obviously, hats off to him. He got the job done, and boom, there we go. But um, anyways... Ladies and gentlemen, do I want to see CM Punk fight again? You know, obviously, this is kind of, it's a hard thing to say, but no, I don't. But, you know, he did show a lot of massive improvements. And, you know, maybe it's just too late for him in his UFC career. He can go somewhere else. He can learn. He, obviously, he's a superstar. I'm sure he doesn't want to go anywhere else. I'm, I don't know what he wants to do. I'm not sure if he wants to fight. Maybe he didn't say anything about retiring or anything like that. I'm sure he would still like to fight. It's just a matter of, you know, the UFC putting him in there and if the UFC is even going to, because at this point in time, it doesn't even seem like they're going to possibly put him in there. So in that case, what are they going to do with him? Is he going to go to the amateur circuit? What's going to happen there? You know, I don't really, I really don't want to see anybody just keep constantly getting their name off CM Punk because that's just going to give them uh, constant edge, constant edge. I don't want to see him just constantly keep getting fights and getting fights just to get better because, you know, I know he, he's learning. He, he's obviously up there in age. He's 39 years old. He, he had a long ass career in WWE. It's been a long, uh, it's been a long, um, you know, it's been a long physical road on his body and it's, it's, it hasn't, it's not, it's not a good, it's not a good thing. You know, for him to get beaten up later, late in his late in his life like that, mixed martial arts. You know, he's an older guy, and you know he's he's put his body through a lot, and you know his mind. And uh, you know, just at his age, I don't think he should be fighting. You know, it's a young man's sport. You know, he's he hasn't fought since uh, UFC two hundred three. He's been gone for two years. Comes back, fights a guy who doesn't even look good against him. I'm not saying CM Punk, you know, I'm saying it takes balls, it takes it takes heart, it takes courage, and I'm praising CM Punk, but I'm just saying in reality, I really don't want to see it again. 
Mike Jackson is just the same. You know, he's a, he obviously stick to boxing or stick to whatever he's doing because he, he is an MMA reporter too. I don't necessarily know what what he does a lot or what if he does it on the side or anything about this fucking dude. But um, no, it, he didn't look too good, and then CM Punk didn't. Obviously, he went the distance. That's the thing. All respects to CM Punk. So whatever they both choose to do, you know, hope they're fucking happy. But um, anyways. Ladies and gentlemen, fights to make after UFC 225. I think, you know, with Claudia Gedalia, let's start here. With her getting a win over Carla Sparza, you know, that that's, this submits her as, you know, in my opinion, a top of the food chain at 115 pounds, you know, obviously with the champion no longer being Joanna. Joanna's fighting um, Tisha Torres. Claudia definitely does pose... And, you know, deserve a shot at Rose Nama Yunus whenever Rose chooses to return. Whenever Rose returns, she, she obviously just beat Ioana uh, again in a very fantastic fight, very close fight. Um, so, with Claudia Gadelia obviously having the history with Ioana, Ioana's booked to fight Tisha. So now I feel that, you know, they can put Claudia against her. Uh, Rose Damunas. I'd like to see that fight. You know, Claudia is very good. She's very skilled. She's good in all areas. She's an excellent fighter. She's one of the best at that weight class. She's championship level material for sure. And, you know, I definitely want to see her in a championship level fight. Um, for Andre Arlovsky, you know, I don't think he, this is one of those things that, you know, he, he looked good. He, he He's at an American top team now. You know, he's fighting out of Florida. He, he looked absolutely good. He's looked good in his last few fights. And um, he's been winning, but obviously, he's, unfortunately, he lost. You know, it was a close fight as well. A lot of these fights are pretty close. So uh, I don't think by any means necessary he, he's done. He obviously still has a lot of fight. He's shown a lot of fight. And in, in, um, he shown, he's shown it, and he's looked good. And, you know, it was obviously lost. He, he pushed Tai to Ivasa to a spot that he had never been to, you know, he, he pushed him, he showed him what it's real like to fight a real good veteran and, you know, go into the deep water. And, you know, obviously I feel like every fighter needs that kind of fight. And I don't think it by any means whatsoever that he is done. You know, I want to see him come back and, you know, have a, you know, come back and another good fight. You know, a lot of these fighters are fighting in their hometown. Um, honorable mention is uh, Mirsad Bektic defeating Ricardo Lamas. It, I've been a fan of Mirsad for quite some time. Obviously, he has one loss against Darren Elkins in a fight. He was really dominant. You know, you could arguably say he's undefeated. You know, Darren Elkins comes back with the comeback of the year fight against Darren Elk, uh, against Amir Saad in the third round. And ever since then, he came back. He beat Garo Ferro Pepe with the body shot, a vicious body shot. Then comes back, fights number seven ranked Ricardo Lamas. And, um, Comes in number 11 rank, beats number 7 rank. So I think Mursad Bektic is deserving to be in the top 10 now. And what's next for him? Maybe a fight with uh, uh, Chad Mendez or something. You know, oh, Chad Mendez is booked, I think, against Miles Jury. But I was going to say that'll be a firefight. That'd be a fun fight. Um, maybe a rematch with Darren Elkins or something like that. You know, that would be a, that, that would be a good thing. That would be a real a fun fight to determine, uh, you know, another obviously you know submit his spot in in the top 10 you know i mean obviously 
maybe he wants to fight somebody else or something. He just beat Ricardo Lamas. Maybe like a Josh Emmett or something like that. If Josh is healthy enough or something like that. Or we could do that, but it just depends on what he wants and what the UFC wants. Um, moving on up one weight class to 155 pounds for Charles DeBronx Oliveira. Once again, I said earlier, showing that, you know, he snatches up a submission, man. He, he, he usually doesn't let go. So, you know, he, he looked good. He looks, he's one of those rare guys that looks good at 145 as well as 155, you know, struggle to make the 145 pound limit goes up and fights 155 pounds. He looks good. He, you know, he beats, he's beating some quality opponents. He's beating some fuck good guys i mean he's beaten um miles jury you know he's fought and um, he beaten um what's it called he beat uh he's beaten i forgot everybody he's 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 beaten everybody he's uh, fucking charles Oliveira. let's i want to look at his fucking resume i i, I don't know why my mind's drawing a blank right now but this dude is beating everybody he's beating a lot of good guys Oliveira, let me pull it up as Wikipedia. I mean, obviously, just submitted Clay Guida in a matter of seconds. Um, okay, let me look at his Wikipedia. Clay Guida obviously lost to Paul Felder um, last December, but, you know, he's still one of those guys that, you know, he's fucking good. And then, you know, he's beaten Real Brooks, Miles Jury, Nick Lentz, Jeremy Stevens. Hatso, Yoki, Andy Yogle, and you no, know, obviously lost. Donald Cerrone, Cub Swanson, Frank Yeager, Max Holloway, and, you know, Ricardo Lamas, but he's beating a lot of good guys. That's the thing. He's beating a lot of good guys, but he's one of those guys that has success both at 155 and 170 pounds. And, you know, has a lot of success. So what's next for him? I, I want to see him in a, another good, fun fight. Obviously, he's lost to Paul Felder, but um, I don't know. Maybe like a, maybe I don't, I don't know. I really don't know. James Vick or something versus Charles Oliveira. That would be a good one. James Vick's fighting in a co-main event, but you know, maybe, maybe after that, maybe he can sit out, match make, see what happens. But overall, the future is bright for Charles Oliveira and anyone else who fought Dos Anjos. Let me see. Um, I I don't necessarily think that he's done. I was just thinking about this before I started the podcast. I think that, you know, Colby is the type of guy to put a lot of pressure on you, you know, uses wrestling. Dos Anjos has shown prone, been prone to wrestling in the past. Obviously, if you look at like the Gleason T-Val and um, the Habib Nurmagomedov fight, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, he just needs to fight a guy that's more his volume, more his, you know, his speed. You know, he obviously, he looks he looks great at 170. He, he's able to put his volume together. He's a lot faster. He's a lot more healthier. So he still has a lot of good fights left. And there's still a lot more fights for him at 170 pounds, you know, that are good fights. It's just that Colby fight, that particular style fight, isn't one of those fights that I feel are, are a good fight for Dos Anjos stylistically because the fact is that, you know, he's going to get exhausted and exerted and, you know, it's just not one of those fights. You know, Colby's not a guy that's going to be standing and trading with him like Robbie Lawler was and all that. So, you know, whatever he chooses to do, that's going to be exciting too. And um, that's pretty much, you know, everything. And for Curtis Blades, final time, I feel that, you know, a matchup maybe with the, maybe with, uh, you know, he says he wants a title fight. Um, I, I have no problem with that. I just want to see what happens with, um, obviously, DC and Stipe. 
but who, who should be the title challenger? I really don't know. There's no clear-cut number one contender right now. Obviously, with Verdum losing, um, you got Alexander Volkov in the mix. You know, Duke Dos Santos is fighting uh, Blackie Ivanov. Um, Derek Boost is fighting Francis Ngannou. And now you've got Tai Tuivasa in the mix. You know, he's not, not really near a championship-level fight just yet. But you got, um, you got I mean, Curtis Blades is right in the mix. You know, Francis Ngannou's in there. You got Fabrizio Verdum. I don't know if they're going to pull out, pull him out of the rankings due to his USADA um, violation and all that. But um, we still got, you know, Kane. I don't really even know if Kane Velasquez is going to return at this point. You know, he's been dealing with a lot of family stuff. And, you know, his son was born and all that. So there's a lot of... Uh, a lot of uh, stuff going on. Now, heavyweight division is definitely getting some traction now, as well as obviously the 155 pounds division. And, um, you know, obviously 115, you know, it's still popping at 115 with Rosie Amunas being the champion. Like I said, it makes it for a lot of fun female fights in the future. But, ladies and gentlemen, that was our show today. I just wanted to come and talk quickly about. UFC 225, give my reactions, talk about it, you know, get it done on a Sunday before Monday. I know everybody releases their podcast on Monday, but I just wanted to, you know, touch base with them and give my thoughts on it and, you know, show my love for UFC 225 because I was just like still in shock waking up on a Sunday morning saying, good God, I was, I was standing on that main event, you know, I was watching it on my phone. I was just like... Good guy. This was a great fight. This was a great fight. It was a great fight card. A lot of great fights on there. You know, Pettis, obviously. Let's talk about that real quick before you had uh, Sergio Pettis defeating Joseph Benavidez. You know, number one contender, Joseph Benavidez. So Sergio Pettis has to be like the number two contender now underneath Cejudo. Obviously, he lost against Cejudo. Um, but Cejudo now is going to be rematching Demetrius Johnson at UFC 227 in Los Angeles, opposite Cody Garbrandt versus TJ Dillashaw, number two. So it's two rematches in Los Angeles, UFC 227. Up next is UFC 226 will be Holloway versus Ortega. Um, Holloway versus Ortega and uh, who else? DC versus Stipe. So DC versus Stipe, super fight, and Holloway versus Ortega in the co-main event. But um, ladies and gentlemen, that was episode 143. Thank you guys for joining us here on this episode. You know where to find me at gmeeker underscore MMA on Snapchat, gmeeker MMA on Twitter and Instagram, both the same handle. Facebook.com slash GabyBaby123. Ladies and gentlemen, we will be back next week. G-Maker MMA out. Baby.